Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 105 of Buds and Blue Jays. This is your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burl, coming at you from a new location. Just moved into a new place here, so very excited about that. And I'm joined, as always, by my usual co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, the Blue Jays have done it. We've had two back-to-back series wins, both against teams that are first place in their division. Weak divisions, I know. But, hey, the Blue Jays did it, coming off that big losing streak to win back-to-back series. Riley, how are we feeling? But the Toronto Blue Jays right now. So that is exactly what we needed the Blue Jays to do. Mm-hmm. I know it's not a sweep. We lost a close ball game um, in game two. We were, you know, bats on fire for most of the series, especially game one. We tallied seven on them. And then I felt like we had a very successful um, third game of the series to clinch the series win. And a lot of that to do with our game three starter in Kevin Gosman. It was a really good, really good series for us. I feel like anytime you give up seven runs in three games, just over two runs a game, you're looking at a lot of things that went right for, for your ball club. Yes, the Blue Jays pitching staff was back to doing their good things in this series. We'll get into all of that in this episode, including standout performances from Kevin Gosman and what is going on with Alec Manoa. Plus, we have some interesting things on the hitter side. But first, guys, please remember our show is free and we're available on all platforms. So please like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. And if you're on our rapidly growing podcast side, please five star review. Leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere else you can leave your reviews. Tell a friend. Hey sub around and find out we got a lot of good stuff going over here on buds and blue jays but let's get into the game recaps as you mentioned riley for those of you who might not have been able to watch game one of this series the blue jays scored four in the first inning after giving up two in the top of the first and ended up winning game one seven to two yusei kikuchi battled five walks in this one but did strike up four over his five innings pitch and the bullpen was even better behind him only um nate pearson jimmy garcia adam simber and tim Meza combined for one walk one uh one One walk, one hit, and four strikeouts between them all to seal down the deal in that door. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Alejandro Kirk both had three hits in the winning effort to get the Blue Jays the win there. Game two of the series, this is the game the Blue Jays lost. Blue Jays lose this game 4-2. to Alec Manoa had a mixed bag of start, but still ultimately three walks, four innings pitch, one home run allowed, and two strikeouts. The Blue Jays didn't miss much offensively, but were a 1-for-13 with runners in scoring position in this game. Matt Chapman had two hits in the losing effort here as well. And in game three, the game that took place this afternoon is a well-pitched ball game. The Blue Jays win this game 3-1. to Kevin Gosman was at his best. He racked up 115 pitches and 11 strikeouts in this game. And the offense came early and often with Bo Bichette hitting a solo home run in the top of the first. And Matt Chapman following three batters later with a two-run home run of his own. So after the series, the Blue Jays stand with a record of 30 wins, 27 losses, were fourth place in the AL East, were nine and a half games back of Tampa Bay for that division lead, and were three games back now, I think, with three teams to chase still in the second wild card. So we're only about 50 games in the season, still 100-plus games to go. But Riley, where do you want to talk about first after this series win against the Brewers? So, I mean, got to be our game three starter. We Let's talk some plus right now. I mean, we've had a lot of pretty shisty episodes talking about, you know, bad pitching. Let's talk about a really good pitching performance. And that is one Kevin Gosman, six and two thirds and looked absolutely phenomenal, man. This, 
This is as hard as I've seen Gosman throw as a Toronto mm-hmm. Blue Jay. Touched as high as 99. 11 strikeouts to show. And, of course, that splitter really coming in handy low in the zone. Location was spot on for that pitch. It was, I mean, he had his craft working for him. Uh, only giving up seven base runners in the entire game. Five hits and two walks. Um, and I felt like, you know, he could have gone farther in that game, but as t- you know, the ball game being as tight as it was, I feel like the decision to take him out was a good one. But needless to say, he gets a standing ovation and well deserved because that was a hell of a performance by Kevin Gosman, and he continues to dominate. I believe now stands alone. And the MLB four starts with over 100 pitches thrown. I believe he's mm-hmm. fifth. And there are, I think, four or five qualified starters that have four. So Gosman putting in the work in this 2023 campaign. And I mean, another great start, man. You can't say enough good things about Kevin Gosman. And he did it again in game three. Riley, I have one word for you about Kevin Gosman. And you might have heard it before, but that is ace. <laughs> Kevin Gosman is our ace right now, Riley. This is exactly what your guy's supposed to do. You need a good series win. You need a dominant performance. You ride the back of your best starter. And that's what the Toronto Blue Jays did here. 115 pitches in this one. It was the most a pitcher in all of baseball has thrown this year. In fact, Kevin Gosman's done it twice now with his 115 p- uh, pitches. You talked about the velocity, Riley. It's only moving up from here. 99, he threw, like I said, 99.3. That was up 1.8 miles per hour than his season average this year. And his splitter, Riley, was even faster, a whopping 2.8 miles per hour faster than he has thrown it this year. Gosman's always, always, always had the nasty stuff. And now if he is throwing that nasty stuff even harder, guys, it's just not fair. Kevin Gosman's Cy Young season is still officially on. I mean, I wouldn't say he was untouchable, but he was the next tier down from from being untouchable. I mean, he got a lot of poor timing. The hits were deserved against him. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't think the Brewers had much offense cooking. Um, they gave it all against him in this one. But Kevin's Gosman, just too good for a lot of lineups in the major leagues. I mean, he can make a lot of hitters look really silly. And um, he did it, did it a few times in this one. And the control, the movement, and the velocity, all things that make a great pitcher a great pitcher. I mean, he was doing it all, Jesse. You know what I like most about this Kevin Gosman start, too, is the fact that he went seven innings. The Blue Jays were able to ride the rest of their bullpen with just Eric Swanson and Jordan Romano. So we have a good fully rested bullpen going into the series against the New York Mets, which is something the Blue Jays are going to need to win more games going forward. Riley, I have another positive I wanted to talk about, and we're going to go from who might be the Blue Jays' best pitcher, who might I say might be the Toronto Blue Jays' second best pitcher in the staff, and we're going into the bullpen, Riley, and we're going with a fan favorite of mine, and that is nasty Nate Pearson. We got a message in our Buds and Blue Jays group chat from Isaac Bass, who's been on this show, who literally in all caps just screamed, nasty Nate, and if you were watching that game, you know just how good Nate Pearson was, Riley. I have his stats on the season here for what he's done in his 16 innings pitch currently with the Toronto Blue Jays. He's given up 11 hits, only three earned runs. He's pitched a 169 ERA, five walks, five walks from Nate Pearson, by the way. I don't think we've talked about how good the command has been from Nate Pearson. 18 strikeouts. He's only allowed one barrel 
in 40 batted balls this year. That's a 2.5 barrel percentage expected batting average against of 196 for Nate Pearson. And on top of that, oh yeah, his average fastball velocity, 97.8, which is literally the highest the Toronto Blue Jays. It's tied with Brandon League, I think, for the highest the Toronto Blue Jays have ever had in franchise history. Fastball zone rate is up 7%. The curveball zone rate is up 8%. He's not throwing uncompetitive pitches, Riley. I have nothing else to say about Nate Pearson. He is fantastic, and I'm hoping we see him in, in the setup man very uh, very soon here. You just blew my mind there, pulling out Brandon League, Jesse. <laughs> yes, that's, that's too good of a... a, a but he, not even a comp, man. He was... Uh, and a very bad 2000s relief pitcher crew with like guys like BJ Ryan and Jason Frazier. It feels like Nate Pearson is just standing alone in what he can do. I mean, that fastball is just terrifying, man. Triple digits, it can touch. And that curveball, too. In his two inning appearance, Jesse, mm-hmm. when he threw that curveball and he got. He got a guy, he got a batter swinging in one at bat and got a batter looking on another. I mean, it was just too good. I mean, when you have those two pitches from that arm slot and Nate Pearson being a bigger guy, 6'6", I believe, or right around that mark. I mean, he's a ferocious guy. And those 16 innings he's compiled this season, I mean, he's dog he's done it, man. He's Mm -hmm. finally, we can say in a way he is back, man. Um, the, the, his, you know, his, his pedigree is kind of worn out now in the age he is, I mean, still very youthy can still put a lot of good things together for a good MLB career. And I think it definitely starts right here. I mean, take the role of setup away from a guy like Garrick Swanson, who's done phenomenal on the air. I mean, Nate Pearson is definitely going to have to keep it up. I believe that's a very stiff competition for who gets the ball in the eighth inning though, because Nate Pearson with, I mean, how he throws, I mean, yeah, there was hopes for him to be a starting pitcher that can go seven innings. But if we have to suck it up right now and use him as a high leverage guy, I mean, I'm not complaining, especially with a guy who's not giving up hard contact and the control. Like you said, Jesse, a five, five batters walked um, in 16 innings is incredible for a guy that throws as hard as him really nailing that command. Something that we saw um, Nate Pearson not have a good grip, grip on literally and figuratively was his control. And so if he's figured that out, that he could be very dangerous for this Blue Jays bullpen. Riley, Nate Pearson has thrown over 100 breaking balls and he has yet to give up a hit on any of his breaking balls. The fastball is Nate Pearson's best pitch, for goodness sake, and now his secondary has been this awesome. I think the sky's the limit, man. And God forbid something to happen to Jordan Romano, which, knock on wood, I really hope doesn't. I think Nate Pearson has nasty, nasty reliever and is exactly the type of man you want in your bullpen when you get into postseason games late into the thing. So I'm pumped for Nate Pearson. I'm riding the Nate Pearson high. I've always been pumped on Nate Pearson. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that. But Riley, give me another positive that came out of this series that you want to talk about here. I mean, I guess we'll just go to a hitter now. And I guess we could say... um, Quietly, Matt Chapman is kind of back on the board a little bit. I mean, he did he I mean, hey, he he's my probably up there with Ken Griffey Jr. is one of my favorite players of all time, as we know. Again, if you're a longtime listener, but Matt Chapman kind of it seemed 
wasn't there for a while. He had a home run and a double in the series and compiled, you know, a good amount of hits, drove in a few runs. I mean, played some pretty good defense as well behind him. Uh, it was a very Matt Chapman-esque series, um, to say the least, for him. And, I mean, you have – I know you have stat splits. I'm dying to hear them because we know how hot he started off the year. Yeah. He's still he's still an extra base hit machine, but he really, really leveled out the last month, man. He really leveled out. So the Blue Jays really need Matt Chapman to be a core contributor of this lineup. We saw early in the year when Matt Chapman was raking, the Blue Jays were winning. We saw the last few weeks when Matt Chapman wasn't hitting, the Blue Jays were losing games. So I don't think it's an accident that when Matt Chapman is going, the Blue Jays are also going. In this series, Riley, four for 11, a home run, two doubles in the series. Here's his stats month by month. He had a one one five two OPS in March and April, which is the sixth best in Blue Jays history with over 100 plate appearance. Matt Chapman in May had a 585 OPS, which was the 12th worst in Blue Jays history among players with 100 plate appearances. So the big rise in production bases that we knew he was going to level off, but that seems even too low. I feel like Matt Chapman is coming back, and obviously the fair ground is going to be somewhere in the middle there for Matt Chapman, but it is nice to see him starting the month of June here with a couple of hits, and it seems like he's well on his way to being a productive hitter once again. Yep. Uh, like you said, I think, um, well, I lied to you. That was actually game three. Uh, he is a th- 333 hitter in this month, not a 500 hitter, mm. but a 500 on base percentage because he did draw a walk today. Correct, yeah. A good, good start um, to the month of June. Let's hope it's somewhere in the middle. I would personally like to see an OPS um, around 850. I think that would be a great mark for Matt Chapman to hit. And it's definitely in the region of achievable. Sounds good to me, Riley. There were a lot of positives. I'm excited to see uh, Matt Chapman heat up a little bit as the summer goes on, kind of like he did last year for the Toronto Blue Jays. But Riley, there's a big storyline in Toronto Blue Jays right now. And we've kind of maybe buried the lead a little bit waiting for this long to talk about it. But we have to talk about Alec Manoa as we do every time Alec Manoa makes a start. Here's his official line here. I believe he went four innings pitch. I know he threw 90 pitches in this game and uh, three hits allowed, one one home run given up, two earned runs, three walks, and two strikeouts, a FIP of over seven in this one. And Alec Manoa, you saw it. If you watched this game, you really saw how defeated he looked. Like, this was the first time. Alec Manoa's had several bad starts, but this was the first time there were glimpses of him shown in the dugout where he just looked lost, man. He looked like a guy who doesn't have his swagger anymore. He doesn't seem like he was the same guy in the post-game interviews after he even said, like, I've got the mindset right now of don't throw a ball here instead of go out and throw a strike here. And pitching, like everything else in baseball, is such a mental game. Like, you need to be sure of yourself that you are going to be dominating and you are going to go. And when you're just afraid when you're on the mound, which is what almost what it sounds like Alec Manoa is right now, you're not going to have the results that you need, Riley. So, I guess, how concerned are we going forward? Is this something Alec Manoa is going to be able to turn around going forward or what? I think every sports center, TSN, every Canadian sports caster has talked at some point about the struggles of Alec Manoa. Mm-hmm. And uh, no one can really figure where it's really stemming from, man. And before, before I say like anything towards his stats, I want to talk about, you know, the character clause in baseball and the, the effects that certain personalities have in, in baseball. It's 162 games. You're in close tight with your guys all the time. And is Alec Manoa really right now the 
best guy in the locker room. I highly doubt that. And he's an important guy to keep happy. And I mean, yeah, he he has the hype. He has the swagger and all that. But his mojo is, is lost in a sense right now. I mean, he looks tremendously lost. He looked tremendously frustrated. He pled his case to John Schneider to stay in that ball game. I believe John Schneider made the correct call in hauling him yeah, out of that I ball so game too. when he did. I mean, that's, that's hard. After four innings, and I mean, really only two earned runs, You, it's still the right call. I mean, you would have loved to see him go out and throw five innings, but what's he going to do in that inning when the order comes up for a third time? I mean, are we going to see a huge six-run blowout in that inning and his stats look absolutely worse than what they kind of already are in a small sample size? I mean, his ERA is high on the year. It's not like he lowered it a ton. I mean, a 4.5 run run average over four innings isn't going to lower anything. It's a very Mm -hmm. minuscule move. And then you look at, again, another start where, I mean, in this one, he walked more than he struck out. I mean, I know Alec Manoa is looking at the stats. He's that kind of ball player. And I mean, it's got to get to your head. His psyche is not good right now. And I don't think it's affecting the rest of the lock- rest of the locker room. I don't want it to ever be an issue. Um, there's a saying that, um, you know, your shortstop, your third baseman, they're not selfish players. You know, a lot of pitchers, they say, are selfish. I hope Manoa isn't that guy to bring other people down but he's really got to figure it out man because it has not been good for him and this was another start that you just can't write home about not a quality start not five innings 90 pitches at that mark is not good and of course the three walks and the home run yeah and yeah yeah first inning second inning and third inning all starting with a walk and then the home run to abraham toro the two-run shot not a good way to spend um your saturday really jesse Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a lot of buddies actually at that game too. And so it's unfortunate that that's the game of the series they got to go see. But if you're a Blue Jays fan here and you're looking for something from Alec Manoa to turn it around, like, look, we know how good Alec Manoa can be when he is on, right? Like we saw it just last year, third in Cy Young Award voting. Like that guy is still in there somewhere. So you can't just give up on Alec Banoa because we know there's a chance you can find something click. Pitching's weird, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. Something could just click just like that out of nowhere. And when it does, you have a dominant starting pitcher again. It's just the question is, how long do we wait or how much do you tinker until you can figure that out, right? Like if Pete Walker has tried all this different stuff to fix Alec Banoa and nothing's worked yet, maybe do you get another pair of eyes in there or do you do something to try to figure it out? I will say, Riley... I dug through the stats. I tried to find something to see if we could find maybe a sign of things to come for Alec Benoa. And I think the biggest thing with him is just the slider looked terrible and he wasn't throwing strikes consistently. If there's anything positive to take away from Alec Benoa starting this series is that he only allowed four barrels in this start, a 30.8% hard hit percentage. Both were the lowest of the season. So when guys were making contact against him, we saw more of the soft contact guy that we saw last year. He threw a first pitch strike today to se- or the series to 72% of batters, which was also the highest he's had in the season. There is still a long way to go to get Alec Manoa right again, but I do think there was a small glimmer of hope that something might have clicked going forward. That glimmer of hope really needs to turn into a shower of promises uh, for us, really. I mean, because, listen, you ask me every three starts here, what is our number one one to ten? How do you think of Manoa? Whatever. I don't have a number at this point. I mean, he's I mean, you just you just have to watch him. We know that 
he's going to get the ball every fifth or sixth day. Mm -hmm. He's going to do his thing, regardless if that's seven innings, regardless if that's four innings, like it was uh, not Saturday, Wednesday, Riley. It's just (laughs) not. Yeah, he is the he's going to get his chance in the Toronto rotation to figure it out no matter what happens here. It is Alec Manoa's at the big league level. Like there's nobody in Buffalo who's going to replace him right now. Riley, I want to talk about I guess we can talk about Kikuchi while we're on the subject of pitching here. And his line was interesting. You could say that um, five innings pitch, three hits allowed, one home run allowed, two earned runs, five walks, four strikeouts, though. The five walks were bad for Kikuchi. This is, I guess you could say he was effectively wild because he only did give up the three hits and the two runs allowed, but the five walks are not what you want to see. It's still some hard contact against him. It's it's that turn in the rotation, Riley, right now th- between Yusei Kikuchi and Alec Manoa where things kind of seem dicey for the Toronto Blue Jays, but uh, we managed to get through it in this series. Do you have a thought on Kikuchi's performance here, or is just this is what Kikuchi's going to be now? I I do think, in a way, it's what Kikuchi's going to be. I, I do I do think we kind of lost a bit of control in that start for him. I think that we've seen starts where he doesn't walk as many batters, and then we see him another start in the series where we see five base on balls and um, and four strikeouts, as in Manoa had the kind of the same ratio go on. So those aren't good things to see, obviously. You never want to see your starting pitcher walk five guys in as many innings. But I do think that he will have a string of starts where he won't walk five guys in the amount of innings. I mean, we know that there's going to be issues of control from time to time with Yusei Kikuchi. That's just one of the sacrifices that he's a non-elite, left-handed, hard thrower um, with great movement on his pitches some really good velocity and if one thing lacks it is control and i mean that's why he's not a 25 to 28 million dollar a year pitcher that's what he makes um he makes you know good money as a fifth starter um we definitely need him but we need him to be on and hopefully harness a little bit better control i don't expect the world from yusei kikuchi Let's be honest. But um, I do think that there's more in his game. I didn't think he had a terrible start, but of course, he just really lacked control. Fastball was up about half a mile per hour. The curveball was up over 1.2 miles per hour. So there is something there, maybe. The stuff is still really good for Kikuchi, but it's always been about location and always has been with him. He's now allowed 15 home runs this season, second most in the majors. But he did get his 500th career strikeout, so congratulations to you, Yusei Kikuchi. Riley, we do have to talk a little about the Anthony Bass drama here, and I will set the scene for you a little bit. On his Instagram socials, he shared something about... It was very anti-hate and um, against the LGBT community and all that stuff, and Anthony Bass. I don't think this surprises anybody. I think if there you had to pick one Toronto Blue Jay on the roster who would say something like this it would be Anthony Bass. He's addressed the media after he refused to take any comments, but he did say, you know, he apologized to his teammates. He wants to be a better person. John Schneider even made some comments after this about this doesn't just end here. This isn't just a statement. And then Anthony Bass is going to move on. There's going to be more work to making sure everyone feels included and all this stuff. Um, Riley, do you have a take on the Anthony Bass situation here that was going on? I want to say, first off, that as a manager for John Schneider to handle the interview like he did, um, you know, he's I mean, because, of course, the manager's going to get asked and there's going to be follow up questions. I thought he addressed it well. I mean, in a way, 
you like you got to single a player out, but he didn't make it just kind of about Anthony Bast. He made it about like just the inclusion of everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, every either Anthony Bass or everybody has to grow. I mean, he didn't he didn't crap on him too bad, which like whatever he he bashed um, the um, LGBTQ community. And I mean, there's going to be repercussions from that, especially, you know, it being um, June and we support that month um, mm-hmm. as Blue Jays fans and here on the show and, you know, just in MLB in general. So I think that um, it's just in poor taste that Anthony Bass did that. Um, and whether he learns from from it or not, Jesse, I mean, listen, man, he's a 33, 34 year old, 35 year old man, whatever his age is, he's up there. Like, is he really going to change or is he just saying that? Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's yeah. like whatever. Like just like you just you carry on from it, man. Just it, honestly, it's so easy just to keep your damn mouth shut and not type something or post something online that's easily going to get like scrutinized and ripped apart. Like, I don't know what you're thinking there, man. If you're, even if you have those thoughts, keep them to yourself. Like you're just, you're just asking for drama. There was that whole popcorn on the airplane thing. Like just like earlier in the year, which is stupid. This is a lot more alarming. This um, is going to turn a lot more heads and he just needs to be smarter. And um, yeah, John Schneider says, he'll grow from it. We're all grow from it. Well, you know what? Like if you're educating other people, that's fine and dandy, but at the end of the day, who is Anthony Bass as a person? I do not know. Um, and there are certain people that don't share with his remarks. And at the end of the day, it's in poor taste, Jesse. A few things to take away from this from the guy that's on the field, too. The Blue Jays have shown a history in the past, too, of just fully letting go of guys who have been like bad characters. Like when the Roberto Osuna stuff came out, the Blue Jays just shipped him off right away. Now, the Blue Jays haven't done that at least yet with Anthony Bass, and I don't think they will either. Um, and if you look at the numbers on the field, hey, nine and two-thirds innings pitch over his last 10 games, one hit, one earned run, 12 strikeouts. He did post a 175 ERA in 28 games of the Blue Jays last year. He's still a good pitcher, even if he hasn't been that good of a pitcher this year. But the only issue is here is if the guys in the clubhouse start to turn away from him and stuff, or they start to look at him. Now, look. You don't get to pick your coworkers. Every single place of work has guys like this who, you know, you might not like, you might not agree with their viewpoints with and all that stuff. But if he becomes like a toxic item in the clubhouse, then maybe that is an issue and you would have to do something about it. But I don't think Anthony Bass is going anywhere. And I will say, Riley, I didn't love how the fans booed him. I get it. I get why he got booed when he came out to the things, but I still want my Blue Jays to win, man. I'm, I'm a team guy, you know. I understand the booing. I just don't love the idea of booing your own player. So got to take on that. I'm I, one, one set of boos. Jesse is mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Leave agreed. it at that. But we've as fans, Jesse, <clears throat> we've got our point across. Don't boo him again. If he goes out and smashes the Jays fans again, are you going to boo? Like there's, it's a whole line of stuff. Now we've go into the chain reaction of certain things, you know, just, Swallow your pride, Anthony Bass. Just eat it. Come out from the bullpen. Put together qu- quality appearances. 
and keep your mouth shut for the rest of the year so you can get a new job um, right. after your contract expires, whether we pick him up again or he goes somewhere else. Um, he's a relief pitcher over the age of 33. I mean, there's a good chance he could end up on three or four different teams before his career is done. So probably best to keep your mouth shut and not. Let's worry about baseball. Baseball right. is number yep. one right now. Yeah, be better, just, Anthony Bass. Be better, Anthony Bass. Just keep your mouth shut. Smile and wave. Throw the damn ball over the plate. Amen to that, my guy. Amen to that. All right, just a few more notes before we move on towards the end of the episode here. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hasn't hit a home run off an actual pitcher since May the 4th. He did hit that grand slam off of the relief pitcher, but uh, I am kind of curious about this. He actually injured his knee on May 16th. Remember, he left that game a little while ago. Before then, Riley, he was hitting 307 with a 151 WRC+. plus. Since that time, he's hitting 182 with a 29, a 29 WRC plus for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I'm wondering if there is some type of underlined issue for Vladdy. Let's keep an eye on that going forward. And two more notes here. Kevin Biggio is quietly hitting 389, 476, 667 over the last two weeks. He had a couple of home runs um, in the last series here and has been starting more recently for Kevin Biggio. So maybe he's turning around. And Kevin Kiermaier Riley, I don't know if you know about this about him, but he is a wizard in the field. He made a catch in game three today with a 15% catch probability. Riley, he ran 92 feet in 4.7 seconds. I don't know how long it would take you and I to run 92 feet, but I bet you we couldn't do it in 4.7 seconds. So those three things, Biggio, Vlad, Kiermaier Riley, do you have a quick thought on any of those? Well, first of all, Jesse, you forget that one of us at one point was an elite outfielder that before sure. 50, <laughs> 50 pounds ago, one of us could run quite fast and was a savvy defender. I love Kiermaier in center field. Damn, is he ever good? I mean, you just got to give the guy so much respect. He's had such a great career, even with the Rays. Well, of course, the Rays, you know, and all those gold gloves that he, he won. I mean, over Kevin Plar and how salty we were at the time. But now you think about it, it's like, damn, like, he's good. <laughs> like, yes, if, he's he do, if, he's, if he's doing this at this age, like, how was he when he was 27, 28, 29 um, in the outfield? Well, we've got tastes of that. And I mean, he's done a one heck of a job this year. The other one, the other big thing, Jesse, is yes, before the show, you said, hey, Matt Chapman has quietly done this. And you talk about a guy who's quietly done some, some things right at the plate. That's Kevin Biggio. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, t- I've taken note to this and he's hit the ball fairly hard, man, in his at-bats. It look almost looks like a complete limp completely different version of Kevin Biggio. And I really, really, really like it. He's got good. He's his eye seems to be coming back in the way that he's not swinging at bad pitches, the walks, the discipline, whatever you want to call it. The elite elite pitch selection isn't as good as what it once was thought to be, but he's still making good decisions at the plate and swing at the right pitch and driving the ball, man. I mean, he's a, He's not a power hitter. He's a great pole hitter, though. So if he can find gaps, he could be very dangerous for the gap power and driving him base hits, especially now that the shift is gone. I mean, Biggio, if he could really put it together, could be a great singles guy uh, to the to the uh, right side of the field. And he's done well in that stretch. It's always nice to see. I don't hate Biggio. I'm not on the train of hate Biggio. He's the son of a Hall of Fame, a 3,000 hits guy. I mean, he's he's kind of on the outside in a lot of ways. I'm it's a put 
up or shut up for Kevin Biggio, and he's kind of putting up right now. So, um, it was needed. I mean, I'm digging it, man. I'm digging it. It's the, the plot thickens for who's on second in a way. Hits in six of his last seven games with an average exit velocity of 85 or better in five of those six games for Kevin Biggio. If you can keep doing that, you'll be a solid piece on the bench and make chance of your opportunity when you can get it. Riley, I'm just going to read through our injury notes. If anything of these catch your attention, stop me, but we've got to get through these before the end of the episode here. Mitch White started his rehab assignment again and uh, shield your eyes for this one, Riley. One and a third innings pitch. He only got four outs, four hits, five runs, four earned, one walk, two strikeouts on his 40 pitches. Five of his six batted ball events came off the bat 97 miles per hour or better. And that's against minor league hitters, Riley, for Mitch White. So garbage for Mitch White there. Blue Jays number 22 prospect Hagen Danner made his AAA debut today. He went one and a third innings pitch. He did give up a solo home run, but did strike out two. Ricky Tiedemann, Blue Jays prospect, is quote-unquote doing well for the team official. He hasn't pitched in a game since May 4th. He's likely to begin a throwing program this week. And then I have some, uh, or Elvis Martinez, sorry, to finish the prospect stuff. We talked about him quite frequently on our last episode. He had three more hits today, including his 15th home run, 15, Riley, of 2023. He also earned his 22nd walk. I think he might have found something, or Elvis Martinez, so we can do that um, a bit there. But in terms of injuries, let's let me get through these here quick, too. Chad Green and Hunjin Ryu are both throwing bullpen stuff. Chad Green is actually throwing live bullpen sessions, and Hunjin Ryu isn't too far behind that. Both are 11 months post their Tommy John surgery, so we could see both pitchers soon within the next month. Brandon Belt has been dealing with a stomach bug. Go figure. Another Toronto Blue Jay player is sick after dealing with a big one. Santiago Espinal began his rehab assignment with single A Dunedin. He went three for three, playing seven innings at second base. And Danny Jansen will not travel with the Blue Jays to New York. He'll stay behind to continue his running progression. John Schneider told reporters that he's been hitting in the cages and throwing with no issues. Did some light jogging. Still no timetable for a return for Danny Jansen, but all that seems good. Riley, a lot of injury updates, a lot of prospect stuff. Give me one or two that stand out to you. I'll give you the standouts because we haven't talked about them in a while because <clears throat> a lot of people forget that we still have Hunjin Ryu on this roster. Mm-hmm. Now, how we use this guy when he comes back is beyond me. I take Mitch. Well, I talked. I'll put the Mitch White thing and take Mitch White right at the equation from there. Let's wait and see where Hunjin Ryu is. And of course, Chad Green, who is an elite thrower with the New York Yankees, not too far removed for, from some very good seasons. Um, They'll be with the club soon enough, and we need some more pitching depth, and they will really help us out there. The other one, Aurelmus Martinez, really changing his game. That's a really unique kind of player right there. I'm excited for um, him. I really a, am. A, a middle infielder with a good power bat, kind of your three-outcome player, because um, I know he's not holding a great batting average, but a, on elite power along the board. Um, also, yeah, good to hear Ricky Tiedemann is recovering. Well, he's got a long way to go in his baseball journey. So you get these small hiccups early on. You want to recover and, you know, fully recover and then get back on the ball diamond and pick up right where you left off, man. So that's what I got for you on um, on those takeaways. Perfect. I would love to preview the Mets series, but we've talked a lot in this episode. So let's just say the Blue Jays going to New York to play the Mets. Let's continue the good things going here. Let's win two out of three in that series against New York Mets. That'll do it for our episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it from my new background. I am going to get my Blue Jays jerseys and all that stuff hung up on the wall behind me at some point. Just haven't been able to do it yet. And Riley, I don't know about you, but another great episode from us and another great series for the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's hope we see more of that going forward. Anything you want to add before we call an episode here today? 
Nope. Let's go beat the New York Mets. Let's take two out of three at least. And let's continue winning ball games. I'm with you. We'll see you after the series, guys. Until then, let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.